Welcome to the 111 Health Podcast, the ultimate holistic wellness and spirituality destination, where the ancient meets the modern, the scientific meets the spiritual, the esoteric meets the worldly, and the conscious meets the commercial. I'm your host, Cassandra, the founder of 111 Health. I'm joined by our co-founder, Dylan, Ayurvedic practitioner and holistic health educator. We've spent the past decade diving deep into all the ways one can access calm and bliss amidst the chaos of our busy and demanding lives. And together, we're here to take you on a transformative journey through unlocking the ancient secrets of those that came before us and had it all figured out. Explore thought-provoking conversations with world-leading experts revolutionizing human consciousness. Discover practical information, tools, and practices that empower you to cultivate lasting well-being in every aspect of your life. Become part of a community committed to embracing holistic health, unlocking your true potential, and experiencing a more vibrant and blissful existence. Today, I chat to Dylan Smith, distinguished Ayurvedic practitioner, holistic health educator, keynote speaker, and co-founder of 111 Health. Dylan is a true visionary in the field of holistic health. With a deep-rooted passion for ancient healing traditions, he's become a prominent advocate for Ayurveda, offering profound insights and practical wisdom through his work as the founder of Vital Veda and, of course, 111 Health alongside yours truly. Dylan's journey into Ayurveda was ignited by a desire to share the transformative potential of this ancient science with the modern world. His expertise spans not only traditional Ayurvedic principles, but also pulse diagnosis, herbal medicine, and personalized well-being protocols. Through his Ayurvedic clinic, apothecary, education platform, and podcast Vital Veda, Dylan continues to empower individuals to restore balance and vitality in their lives, making Ayurveda accessible and relevant in today's fast-paced world. Dylan has been practicing for over a decade and regularly travels to India to continue deepening his knowledge with a family of world-renowned Ayurvedic doctors. I met Dylan for the first time at group meditation in Sydney and instantly knew there was something special about him. He's one of those unique people that truly marches to the beat of his own drum and has his own thing going on. He's hilarious, quirky, and also the most authentic and embodied person I know. His devotion and dedication to his work and the healing of others, as well as educating people in Ayurveda, is unparalleled and honestly so inspiring. I've witnessed countless people transform their health under the expert guidance of Dylan and his teachers, who we work with on our 111 herbal formulas. He truly lives and breathes what he does every moment, and trust me, I've spent enough time with him now to know. We came together to found 111 Health with a shared vision to take Ayurveda to the masses in the West and inspire and educate a wide audience about Ayurveda in a way that's accessible, adoptable and relevant to our modern lives. It's been such a joy working with him on 111 and I continue to learn so much more from him every day. We'll be doing quite a few episodes together on all aspects of Ayurveda on this podcast as it's just such a broad and holistic science with so much to talk about. In this episode, our first ever episode together, we chat about Ayurveda, enlivening the memory of perfect health on a cellular level, finding your unique path to holistic health, simple ways to adopt the principles of Ayurveda into your lifestyle, aligning with nature's rhythms, Dylan's morning routine, or as we call it in Ayurveda, dinacharya, the importance of tongue scraping, and we even venture into global trends of chronic diseases, which is interesting. This is the first podcast episode I have ever interviewed someone on, so if you're listening to this now, know that it will only get better. This episode is perfect for you if you're getting started with your Ayurvedic journey and want to learn more about it, plus learn some practical steps in getting started. So let's dive in. So here we are, first podcast, 111. You've done this how many times? 108? About 113-ish, <laughs> just above 111. 
it's really beautiful to have this chat today about Ayurveda and the, the broader topics about it because through knowing you, I basically learned most of what I know about Ayurveda through you and that's been a really incredible journey and I've got to just through your courses and through your education and I've learned so much about that and I the main thing I've realised I think is that um, it's a real process. It's like a lifetime mm. of knowledge, several lifetimes of knowledge, which is it's very, very simple, but also to apply, but mm. also deeply complex, particularly when it comes to herbal yes. formulas. Um, and so before we dive in and I just start talking and talking, for the people that are listening to this that don't already know what Ayurveda is, um, I know you have a really beautiful way of explaining it. So what's Ayurveda? So Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word. Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge or science. So Ayurveda is the science or the knowledge of life and particularly the life of living beings or lifespan or longevity or health span. So it's the science of how nature operates in order to have an influence on life. And that can be it talks about the positive influences on life and the negating influence of life on life. So that will share if you want to live life with maximum health and abundance and pleasure and resources and liberation, it, it tells how to do that. And it also tells things how to be aware, be aware and things to be cautious of because these, whether it's certain stimuli or certain substances or certain activities, these will actually prevent that or degenerate your potential of experiencing maximum health. So the science of life, this is the Veda. The Veda, that second word, science, is the body of laws. It's a body of knowledge which governs the laws of nature. And from that Veda is what meditation comes from, yoga comes from, and then Ayurveda, Stapacha Veda, which is Vedic architecture, and then Gandharva Veda, the sounds of nature music of nature. So all these are facets of Veda and Ayurveda is the medical aspect and beyond medical, it's, it's about life and it's how to live life with maximum health. And Ayurveda recognizes that every being, every living being has the, the memory of health. They know how to be healthy. They know, capital K, like full knowledge of health beyond intellectual knowledge, experiential knowledge on a cellular level. The cells in the body know how to feel health. They have that birthright. Even if they weren't born healthy, most people are born pretty perfectly healthy. But some people are missing organs. Some people are having some uh, neurological defect. But still, the cells have that memory of perfect health. So what Ayurveda does through natural law and through the laws and mechanisms of nature it restores that memory and enlivens health. Rather than focusing on disease, for example, if someone had a parasite, someone had a cancer cell, if someone had a yeast, whatever it is, it's not so much, okay, let's target that parasite, let's target the cancer, let's kill it. But rather it's, okay, let's restore the health, let's just remind the body of it. And then ultimately those disease aspects and those darkness will dissipate. So... This is the science of Ayurveda, this is the science of life, and through many mechanisms, through lifestyle advice, through diet advice, through herbal regimes, through specific treatments and various interventions, it does that by aligning one to the memory of wholeness and to the memory of health. Mm, pretty solid explanation. Um, yeah, and I love what you said about how if you actually focus on enlivening health, then you don't even have to think about disease. Mm. Like it's not even in your vocabulary. It's like that natural law that what we focus on in life grows. Like I love how you share yeah. that. And it's just really interesting how maybe different it is. It's such a mindset shift to how we think about health here in the West. And, you know, I think a lot of people are looking to Eastern traditions mm. definitely or ancient traditions to get answers if, sometimes you know what we're trying to do these days isn't really serving us um and you know that's a really big big topic um 
And with Ayurveda, there's a couple of things with that. You know, there are so many modalities. There is so much knowledge. There's all this information out there about mm. health. Um, what was it about particularly Ayurveda that felt like your thing? I think it happens with a lot of people who come across Ayurveda. It's because it's natural law. So when you start experiencing these interventions or these lifestyle recommendations or these regimes, it just resonates. I mean, mm. it's not... It just feels natural. It feels right. It's not an intellectual process so much. It's more of an experiential process. I do the thing. I do the recommendation. I take the herb, whatever it is. I change that part of my diet, and I just feel better for it. And it's not even like such an aha moment. I mean, at least now I don't feel that because I've been doing it for like on myself for so long. So it's like mm -hmm. second nature. You know, people see some of the practices of Ayurveda and like. Or they'll see me, for example, who, who does a lot of things in my morning routine can be two, three hours. And they're like, oh, Dylan, you're a fundamentalist. Like, <laughs> like how you just have fun. But I'm like, <laughs> it's like if I asked you, like, geez, man, you brush your teeth twice a day. Like, <laughs> like you're doing so much. Or, and you shower every day. For me, it, all these practices that I do are like that. Mm. And it becomes that second nature. And like it's you like you don't force it. It's not, not at all. a drag. Yep. And it's not a drag at all. And it's not like, you know, flossing my teeth is a drag for me. But <laughs> I personally am not one that flosses every day. I never got into it. But brushing teeth is not. And washing my face in the morning mm -hmm. and doing these things. So in the beginning, it does require some discipline, especially if someone needs it. And, but then it becomes that second nature and it becomes a devotion and it becomes that fundamental. It's like what you meditate twice a day, obviously, like just like you sleep at night to rest, I also rest for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. And by the way, that rest, there's studies been shown on that technique of meditation where it's like three hours of sleep in a shower. So obviously in the afternoon, I'm going to stop my work, stop my daily activity, close my eyes for 20 minutes and then. I've just been invigorated with an amazing hit of energy, three hours of sleep and a shower. So I'm like, obviously, I'm like, well, it's not a strain. It's not a thing to to, to prioritize. It's nothing. Yeah, it's enhancing your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fundamental and it's all natural. So that's, that's I think, why it's why it resonated with me. And, and, I, and I see it resonate with a lot of people, but I think the key is to have someone to guide you. Mm. Whether, or if you're guiding yourself, knowing how to guide yourself but always having someone makes it much more smooth and then doing that in a way where you integrate it in a evolutionary way in a way that you actually embody the practices not being overwhelmed and I've learned that over yeah. years of being a practitioner of how to see someone meet them where they're at and then gradually introduce the things and considering people have various circumstances various work circumstances life family, etc. Mm. And I want to just mention what you said about people turning to ancient traditions. And mm. I think, you know, yesterday I was at a spa consulting for the first time, a new luxury mm -hmm. spa. And she was talking about how people are coming for facials, because that's what they offer, yeah. for relaxation. It's like she said, it's not even about cosmetics. It's just they want to have time out and stop. And we were talking about how these people in the past or maybe generation or even these same people earlier on, they would see a doctor for their stress, you know, maybe mm. some pill or maybe they would, who knows what they would do. But these days that system is kind of broken. They know that the answer is not a doctor's office or a GP or medication. So I think this desire for something alternate to the convention, <laughs> the conventional system is definitely growing. And it's very clear that conventional system for certain things, which is probably most imbalances of the body, unless it's an acute and emergency situation, but the conventional system is becoming less of a consideration for people. It's still a consideration, but they're preferring to try alternative to the norm and natural modalities. Yeah, I've 100% seen that too, such a shift. And... I mean, I think it's, you know, everyone has their story, right? Like I was a case where I ended up with so many different health issues and I had anxiety, I had all these things going on and 
I something I don't know what it was, but something was drawing me to seek answers that were non-traditional mm-hmm. or were rather traditional medicine. So I found Chinese medicine, I found Ayurveda, I found kinesiology, I found Vedic meditation, and I just it it just for whatever reason made so much sense to me because as you said, it feels natural, mm. and it was like this recognition that we are actually a part of nature. Obviously, that's very self-evident. We're here, we live on the earth. But mm. for whatever reason, I feel that before I had that light bulb moment, thinking, here's us, we're humans, and then here's the rest of the world. Whereas it not? You know, that's why Ayurveda really spoke to me and so did, um, so did you know, the meditation because it connected me with that source of knowledge. And it works as well. That's what like people yeah. like because they feel the benefits. And even after a consultation with me, even after yeah. me feeling their pulse or speaking to them over online, they feel different. Mm. It's that reminding and that triggering of that memory of actually there. this is the path to wholeness. Already yeah. my body feels it on a feeling level. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's that intuition which gets triggered. Because a lot of people like who are in your position, for example, they feel that, that longing for something more that resonates. Yeah. But they don't know where to start and they don't know where Mm. to go and they're lost and they don't have guides and they don't have community or friends around them that are doing those things but that are stuck in the conventional. So this is an interesting area to explore is for those people who are less aware of the options and what's out there down the road, there could be someone who's an amazing practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also, of course, people's karma where they get, but I think the more that people do the work themselves, which is so innate, the more your awareness of being able to cognize, this might be good for me. Like your intuition, you felt that only, whatever, a few years ago or something, however long it was, five, six years, I don't know. But 10 years ago, you also needed it, but Mm. you didn't have that awareness to move in that direction towards healing and nature. Exactly. And it's something that you know, I think it's something we can all relate to. And there's so many stories where, you know, there's this path. It's like either something inside of you is calling and drawing you towards it. Um, some people have had it their whole life. I remember from when I was a little girl, I always kind of had this sense. Um, and it wasn't until, yeah, really a decade ago that I kind of was like, okay, I'm getting some pretty big wake-up calls here. A lot of people, I think, arrive at um, alternative options through suffering or maybe they've exhausted all other options and they get there. But I think definitely, as you said, now's the time. It's almost like, you know, meditation's well and truly mainstream. We've got wellness is, is huge. It's only going to grow as basically well, an industry. Um But, you know, going back to sort of what you said about how, you know, people really know this works and it's about finding it. Um, What I, you know, and this is also how 111 came about, is that I knew that there were different um, ways to reach this knowledge or reach, um, you know, that state of health and discover yourself, discover this stuff. And if we could be one entry point or vehicle towards that by making Ayurveda this very simple, accessible, beautiful, you know, through a product and people can connect with us, that could be step mm. one. And um, and also going back to what you said about um, your morning routine being super long. <laughs> um, I love that about you. Like, so mm. for those of you listening to this, um, I just love like coming to your house. It's like, wait, <coughs> Going back to what you said, just about your long morning routine, um, I just love, you know, whenever I talk to people about you, I'm like, look, Dylan's the real deal. Mm -hmm. He really loves this. He's, you know, he is living this lifestyle. Um, That can um, appear to be attainable, unattainable by a lot of people. Like you said, some people say, oh, you're a fundamentalist and all that. Mm. And, you know, as you said, this comes naturally to you. This is authentic to you. You've been at this for over a decade. This is your life. This is your passion, your dharma. Um, What about for those of us starting out with Ayurveda? What are some very simple things people can do each day which which make it realistic? Ayurveda is about living in nature's rhythms. 
So when you live in tune with nature's rhythms, you live in tune with human nature. And that's where that perfect health lies, which we were speaking about. If you want to remind the body of that perfect health, you need to have the rhythms in sync. Because if you're out of rhythm, your body is not going to be able to attune to its innate state of health. So the first rhythm and the most fundamental simple rhythm is live in tune with the sun. It's about circadian medicine where diurnal beings, we're not nocturnal like rats or bats. So for those who are saying, but I'm a night owl, I get my creativity at night and I um, the best work are done at night and I socialize better at night, well, that's then there's some imbalance, probably hormonal and some liver issue. But the main thing is be in tune with nature, be in tune with the sun. So wake with the sun, sleep not long after the sun goes to sleep and eat with the sun. So the main thing is around 9.30, 10 p.m. to be asleep because that's the time when the sun is really deep down away from the horizon. And it's when the sun's down, your sun in your body, which is the fire of your body, the metabolic fire in the center of your body, just like the sun is in the center of the solar system. There's a fire in the center of the human physiology, which is around the belly area. And all the mechanisms revolve around that. We know sleep is important. Everyone knows sleep is important, but people don't really honor it enough. And things, what happen at sleep is hormonal regeneration, like melatonin, which is a fantastic anti-cancer, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, king of hormones. So hormones are regenerating. The liver is detoxifying. We're absorbing micronutrients at sleep. So, so many things are happening. And if we're asleep while those things are happening, at a specific time between 10 and 2, so when the sun is that deepest, that darkest, then we're having these mechanisms. So we want to be asleep before 10, and then naturally we will begin to wake up with the sun. And when we wake up with the sun, we're getting that energy of creativity, of clarity, of lightness of being. Like when the sun's rising and sunrise time and before, the birds, the atmosphere, you just go outside, it's so calm, it's so peaceful. It's creative. There's a there's a creative lightness in the air, like like kind of in between space and earth, the realms, that creative junction point of the subtle. And that's dominant around sunrise and before. And if we wake with that time, if we begin and initiate our day at that time, we capture that energy. And that takes us throughout the day with creativity, with clarity, with enthusiasm, with a lightness. But if we sleep in past sunrise and we wake up later in the day, We've missed that. We have, we're now moving into the earth element. So there's more heaviness energy. There's more slow energy and sluggish. So everyone knows the more you sleep in, even though you're in the bed for longer, apparently getting rest, you're actually feeling more sluggish that day, the whole day. If you wake up at 9 a.m., you'll feel sluggish that day. Whether mm. if you woke up at 6 a.m. sunrise, you feel energetic. And even if you've had a late night. So... Of course, these things come easier. You should ideally be naturally waking up with the sun without an alarm. But I think... And should you set one if you're not naturally waking up? It depends on the person. Mm. Ideally, you know, you don't want to, but if you have to be up, for example, for work or something, and it's going to create anxiety if you haven't got an alarm on, then use the alarm. If you the kind of person who's happy to train with an alarm, that's also okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in this podcast show, we'll be speaking a lot about different interventions yeah. and ways to bring Ayurveda into your life on a practical level and begin to play with it yourself, begin to experience, begin to experiment, begin to integrate it in a way that suits your unique lifestyle because you're so yes. unique, everything you do. And the knowledge is there, but the knowledge is principles. It's not direct, strict instructions. Mm -hmm. It's just a principle of natural law and you take that principle and adapt it to your unique life and your unique life circumstances and feel into it and you'll keep refining like the where I my routine now still it gets refined I've been doing it for some of the things I've been doing today for years but I add and I'm and I'm making it more sophisticated it's not like so much I'm adding the the level of commitment or the level of demands it's not a demand for me but it just increases in sophistication more layers and it begins to get more sophisticated and that sophistication to me and and in general in life sophistication brings richness and that richness of life mm, um so i love that so just 
I mean, just to recap on that, a really simple way we can start to embody these principles of Ayurveda and apply it is just aligning with nature's rhythms. So, you know, it seems pretty simple, right? Like that's, you know, that's also another point about Ayurveda and what drew me to it is that we're not getting, because there's so many crash diets and very rigid lifestyles. And what this does is teach us with the principles we can apply a lot of it is very, very simple. You know, sipping hot water, rising with the sun, going to yeah. bed early, eating. You eating know, with the sun is another. With one. the sun, yeah. eating local food. You know, all this stuff. When I share with people, they say, "Oh, well, look, that's a lot of common sense." Yeah. Um. There's obviously a, a lot more to it, but it's just so fascinating to me that there's so much to know, but then the most simple things we can do. Would you agree the most profound? Yeah. Um, and the most fundamental. Right. It's like, it's like I said, sleeping before 10. So basically to sleep when the body is having its maximum regenerative mechanisms. So it, of course, for some it's simple, for some it may not sound simple, but it's simple. Like it's a simple thing to do. It's not like you have to intellectually go through some exercise for your brain or <laughs> do some very complex workout or take a very, ingest something very weird. <laughs> so it's simple, but it's so foundational. Mm-hmm. So if I, if someone has any imbalance, any disease, you're really never going to get to the bottom of that until the sleep's right. Mm. You, you can do so many other things which will help it, but if you want to fully overcome something and also fully step into an area of health, you need to get sleep right. It's fundamental. Similarly, you need to get digestion right. It's fundamental. Mm. And if and one of the key principles of healthy digestion is eating with the sun. When mm. the sun's the strongest, your digestive fire is the strongest, which means lunchtime should be the main meal. Dinner should be the lightest meal. Because when dinner is the lightest meal, your body can put its attention on all those vital regenerating mechanisms, which we spoke about earlier. If you do have a heavy meal, say a steak and salad or steak and potatoes, your blood flow is going to move to the digestive tract. Your biological energy has to digest. And then the liver is neglected. The hormonal glands are neglected. So these are simple things with the sun. And it's, there's, as you said, there's so much more to it, but this is the foundational. Mm. Yeah, the basics. And so if if we're thinking about, okay, morning routine what does just for my own curiosity as well what does your morning routine look like these days the first thing i do the very first thing when i wake up is i rub my hands together mm-hmm. and i look at my palms i look at my palms because in ayurveda dinachari in ayurveda daily routine it's said what's important is what you look at first what is the first thing you lay your eyes on and so if we're both, we're all looking at our phones. A lot of people <laughs> are looking at their phone first thing. <laughs> yeah. So in Ayurveda, though, it said you should look at something auspicious. So it can be the palm of your hands. It can be a bowl of ghee. It can be a picture of a saint or your guru. Mm-hmm. There's different things. And the palm of the hands, because our palms have our whole life in them, our whole astrology, our karma, our past lives. This is why palmistry is a science. By mm. looking at a palm, an expert who's been doing this for generations can tell about your life. And I've had one palm session before and it was amazing what they could tell. So, Well, can you intro me? I've, I don't know anything about palmistry, <laughs> okay. but it's a thing. Mm. And, and I will just to share that story. I was it was a while ago. I was in India traveling at an airport. And, and, and most airports, at least in the main cities, they have boutique stores and beautiful boutique stores. And they had this palm reader in there. They just hired her. And, and you know, these boutique places, they get good practitioners. Mm. And she, she read my palms. This was a long time ago. It was in the early parts of my journey. And she said something very accurate and a few things and particularly so about my brother something <laughs> right, about my brother okay. and my relationship and it and it and it was happening starting at that time and it and it was it's very everything's run true a lot of the things she said so i look at my palms and i say a mantra i say a sanskrit verse which activates certain laws of nature and that's what i do that's beautiful and then i um, get up and I feel my pulse 
and I say another mantra as I step on the floor. And then I get up and I go to the bathroom and uh, scrape my tongue, brush my teeth, wash my face, kind of eliminate, go to the toilet. And the scraping myself. the tongue, can you just explain why we Scraping do that? the tongue, like if you look on your tongue in the morning, you'll see a coating. And that coating might be white, yellowish, brownish, if it's black or purple, it's more serious, you know, but rarer. And that coating on the tongue is toxins from the day before because when we sleep, as I said earlier, one of the things we do is detox the body and the mouth is one of the detox channels. So it brings toxins up onto the tongue and we want to scrape them off with a proper tongue scraper. And we do that within three minutes of waking because after that, your body's awake, it reabsorbs the toxins back in, mainly to the digestive tract and the respiratory tract. So when we wake up, within first three minutes of waking, we want to get up go to the toilet and eliminate these toxins so off the tongue. don't snooze. Not snoozing, <laughs> okay. right. Yeah, it's, it's a really, if someone can get into that energy of not needing to snooze or mm-hmm. not even wanting to snooze and just with enthusiasm getting up, enthusiastically wanting to start the day, that's a really good sign of health. And it's a, it's a sign of metabolic health, which means the energy that they are having so the met- metabolic state they're having, are they relying on sugars and dark chocolate and organic nuts and organic dried fruit as quick hits of energy? Or do they have their own energy mechanisms established? Do they feel good energy? And that will portray in the morning how they wake up. And of course, did they sleep well? Did they eat well the night before? So scraping the tongue is a huge thing. And when you do it, you and if you've never done it, if you're listening and not done it, you'll be like, wow, how did I never do this? And that's mostly the reaction of everyone who starts to scrape their tongue. 100%. Because I there's, can't imagine not doing it. Yeah. yeah. There's more bad bacteria on the <clears throat> tongue than there is on the teeth and the gums. So that's why I ask in lectures, you know, I say, who here scrapes their tongue? <laughs> and depending on the lecture, maybe 50%, 70% will put their hands up. And then I say, okay, everyone... Keep your hands up. Who have their hands up? So everyone who scrapes their, scrapes their tongue have their hands up. And I say, for the, all of you, if you had to choose one or the other, brushing teeth or scraping tongue, if you would choose scraping your tongue, keep your hands up. And basically everyone keeps their hands up. And then you say to like the other people that aren't doing it, ooh, you're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, well they're more, it's not, no, nah, we, don't, we don't call them out, but they are looking and like, wow. <laughs> What am I missing? How did I not know about this? And that's the truth. How did I not know about this? Few people do put their hands down. They say, oh, I'd rather scrape their, t- I'd rather brush my teeth, rather. And those are the people who aren't doing it within three minutes of waking. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting that benefit. They're not fully getting the toxins off. It's mostly absorbing back. So it's, it's a great thing that people um, realize. Mm-hmm. And then brushing teeth, similar thing. And then washing the face. I do yeah. a bit wake up. Then I do a bit of movement. I like for... Not maybe a minute or two. I just Surya move Namaskar? my body. No, I do this a spinal sequence stretching, mm. which my yoga teacher Simon Borg Olivia taught me. It's basically moving my spine in every direction Beautiful. and stretching it. And then I will sit to meditate, and I will meditate for different amounts of time, usually between forty minutes and longer or longer. And then I will. Uh, give myself an oil massage, uh, and and by the way, within this time, I will have I'll eliminate. I'll have morning bowel motion, whether yeah. it's before meditation or after, and then I and will, that's a sign of health. Yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. really important to have full, mm-hmm. complete bowel motion every morning, before any food or caffeine or mm-hmm. drinks. Hot water is fine. So then. After my meditation, I'll get my, a cup of hot water, I get a bowl of warm oil, and I'll give myself an oil massage while I sip hot water. And and then I will give myself an oil massage. Once I've well oiled up, I'll go somewhere or do it in my house. I'll do some yoga, a practice called sun salutations or Surya Namaskar, which is a yoga sequence of 12 postures. It's, I think, it, the the number one exercise that someone could do if they wanted to simplify their exercise routine because it's 12 yoga postures in one sequence and that those postures works all the major muscle groups, all the major organs. So it's very holistic. And it, of course, it's beyond just exercise and physical. It's also Surya Namaskar means sun salutations. You're honoring the sun. You're connecting with sun energy. 
which is the governor of all things. And also with that is there certain mantras with, with each pose, which just enhances, again, the sophistication, certain chakras, each pose resonates with which you can gently focus your awareness on during each of those 12 poses. So this is another thing of expanding the sophistication and certain ways of breathing within that. And then I will have a, I will bathe myself. Uh, if I'm at home, it's in my creek. I live on a creek. Amazing. I'll swim in the creek. And here in Sydney, I'm swimming in the beach. And I like to run to the beach if I'm there and I run back. And that's about it. I've recently been integrating a bit of reading as well, um, it, whether it's before my oil massage while I wait for my bowel motion because I want my bowel motion to come before my massage. So I've, uh, so I'm on a light stomach when I massage myself and when I exercise. That makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And, and then basically I'll then turn my phone on and start my day. So I have not looked at my phone at all. Um, definitely do not want to see any of that. And because it completely changes the nervous system, it, it will mm. activate that flight or fight. Even looking just at a screen, mm. but especially looking at uh, social media or emails or messages that creates that flight or fight. But even the blue light, even that screen. So it's okay to use as a clock if you need or something, but keep it on airplane mode and have it on a warmth, warmth light. But I, I use clocks in my meditation and when I wake up and go to, to look at the time but I use a watch an analog watch mm. so that's about my morning routine basically yeah. and then um, I will have my drink of uh, either a masala chai or a chai with spices and a pinch of bliss and a spoon of ghee mm. or I'll have a hot milk with bliss original and ghee so that's yeah. the, and and with that I'll start uh, the consultations or work on my online or whatever it is. Mm, so good. Um, <laughs> I love that. Um, and if, okay, if you had to do just one of those things, what would that be? Well, I'll consider. I won't. I'll consider bowel motion and elimination of wastes as like obviously because that's like a natural <laughs> urge. Okay. Okay, so besides that, <laughs> it would probably be bathing mm. every morning. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really important for purifying the body and purifying the mental state. And especially when I see someone, like a patient especially, or be in person with someone, I want to be fresh. It's like mm. when we go to certain Vedic ceremonies or we go to temples it's really important to bathe and at least some, depending on how intense the ceremony is or how powerful it is, even just washing of the hands and the feet is enough. But yeah, mm. that's that's probably the, the main thing. The purifying effect of water. Yeah, 100%. Is that why? Because sometimes I feel that after having certain conversations or doing certain things, I just really go, I need to have a shower. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so, and it's luckily one of the Ayurvedic, like it's part of the Ayurvedic daily routine. It's called mm-hmm. Snan, is bathing every day. And luckily, it's definitely the number one thing out of all the things that I mentioned that I do is what other people do. <laughs> so, yeah, if people aren't bathing every day, yeah. we should be a bit worried. <laughs> which, which is some people, some people okay. who have some, uh, they may have some dopamine imbalance. So mm-hmm. they're like maybe use marijuana a lot or they have some kind of some depression and these mm, things, they may not sure. have that purity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, and just going back to, okay, so obviously we're talking about bliss. Um, bliss original is your flavor of choice. Um, this is the OG. This is where the one living all started. Mm. Why is it that you have bliss first thing in the morning? The first taste of the day should be sweet in Ayurveda because sweet initiates, it initiates saliva. So that's why if you eat sweets at the end of a meal, you keep wanting more. But if you, in Ayurveda, you have it in the beginning of the meal because it activates the salivary glands and then you're hungry. Um, But for me also, it's, it's delicious and it (laughs) makes me feel delicious. It makes me feel calm, relaxed. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm already calm and relaxed, but it, it's a beautiful nourishing. Sweet is nourishing. Mm. And it's, it's the earth element. It's the heaviest taste of them all. And bliss, all the flavors of bliss are sweet. Uh, we have a rose salted caramel, which has some salt as well. Yeah. Um, but, but otherwise, it's, it's sweet. And that nourishment in the beginning of the day is, and, and especially with hot milk, cow's milk, which is what I usually have, which is also a very nourishing thing, kind of second to mother's milk and the most nourishing for, for a human. So that's why I have it, the nourishment and the, the neurological benefits as well. It, it makes me attentive to my work and makes me present with my patients, present with my work, present with my family, all those things. And so were you always this? Because you've got a very um, de-excited, calm presence. Were you always like this? Because obviously I've only met you... No. <laughs> I was a bad man. <laughs> I was terrible. No, no, no. I'm kidding. no, I definitely, before meditation, um, I've meditated for over 25 years. No, 20 years. Something wow. Like that. So what, what age were you when you doing the math here? No, it's fun five. to think of, what, how old are you? Some people think, I'm going to go, I'm meditating. How old am I? About 24 years or so. But um, I learned when I was six. But then I didn't meditate properly. Well, I did, but I fully stepped into it again when I was, I think, around 20 years old. So before then, in my teenage, I was not like this. I had fiery emotions. I was more one to, when I got emotional, or I got, my unrefined self would be step into anger, frustration, and irritability. So I had the fiery emotions. Like pitta. Pitta, we yeah. call an Ayurveda. So one can lean more towards that. One can lean more to the vata, which is the light and unstable emotions that can look like anxiety, fear, excessive thinking. And then there's the kapha, which is the earth element, the heavy emotions, the dark things, so like depression. So I was the fiery one. And looking back on my life, I've seen, that was by far the biggest change that meditation brought to my life. And it was very quick. Mm. And you know, looking back, I've seen, you know, I've like apologized to people in my past, in my teenage <laughs> years, particularly my partner at the time. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, this is fine, Dylan. Like, but I was like, no, like I was really yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, literally. Love that. It's, it's a good process though, I guess, to go through. It's, 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 yeah, it's great to learn and, and also, you know, how I was with my family and everything, but and it also gives me perspective for my patients who are dealing mm. with teenage children mm -hmm. um, and they're having those troubles or people bring their t teenagers to me and see that. And, yep. and I just say, look, there's so much to happen. But now even we're also getting in, in back to the first thing we started talking about of the trends of wellness or the trends mm -hmm. of human evolution is we're seeing a lot of more enlightened, younger people. And mm -hmm. people are getting into these natural modalities. People are resonating with them much more quickly and easily. People mm. are not wanting, even the statistics of alcohol consumption is drastically reducing with the new generations. And I think around Gen Z or something. So I think mm. they're, they're choosing much less alcohol and those things. So there's a beautiful evolution happening. Yeah, and with your... You know, I know that you're very close to your teachers you've um, learned from and worked with for many years. And, you know, I'm aware that they are very ahead of the curve and they're predicting um, global trends mm. in health. Where are we at now, you know, on a macro level? Like, where are we headed with our health? What are, what are the next biggest challenges? I haven't had too many conversations with, with them specifically about it. And also haven't, I've thought a bit. Yeah, I've definitely thought and I've learned from other people who are mm -hmm. looking at statistics. With them and with me, what I see is very clear in my clinic, probably the, the first thing that comes to my mind is the fertility epidemic or infertility mm. epidemic. A combination of not only infertility, because infertility means sterile, which is there. Like, for example, a man with zero sperm and then fertility problems, because a lot of people having fertility problems but they still have some fertility in them. They still have the potential. That's by far the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing that I see in my clinic. Nearly mm. every day I'll have someone with that uh, condition or that, that uh, 
that they want to address. And, and with my teachers women? also. Both. Right. Actually, it's more in men. Mm. And and the, that's the one thing we don't recognize it. And yes. everyone's putting the blame on the woman. Everyone's expecting the woman to do the work and the woman to go to the physician's office. And the man's like, I'm not the one who holds the baby. Well, but actually, the man epidemic of sperm count is what is the huge epidemic. Mm. Men have dropped 50% sperm count in 30 years. That's huge. Oof. So we've, we've halved our sperm count only in the last 30 years. I actually, for whatever reason, just got chills about that. I don't it's, know why. It is a huge that's... epidemic. And for the first time in history, we are actually having a population reduction. Yes. So is it, popu- I, is it population reduction? I think so. And also the amount of children we're bearing is less. But that, that's been happening for a while. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're starting now. To, we're declining now for population. I have heard and that's that. the first thing. And even though we're still getting older, we, the lifespan is increasing. Um, but, yeah, we're reducing population. So that's a big epidemic. And that's a thing which my teachers talk about a lot. Mm. And they also have the perspective of, like, imagine a world without children. Imagine how sad the world will be. They'll be depressed. Children are the light of life. They're what no we fun. call no fun and no happiness. It's it's that darkness. The children are the beautiful, innocent, pure beings, and what we call in, in Ayurveda sattva, like that unconditional love. And without them, it's it's dark, and it's going to be. The trend is that there's less of them, and people really desire it. It's a strong desire for a lot of people. It's a very primal desire. So that's one big thing, and so many things: chronic disease. In, in various ways, autoimmune, autism is absolutely, no doubt, the statistics are crazy. I mean, we've gone from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 37, I think we're up to now, or in, in getting more and more refined. And then cancer is, you know, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's huge. Yeah. So all of these things, neurodegeneration, it's becoming normal for our grandparents or parents to get Alzheimer's, dementia or Parkinson's, we think, oh, yeah, it's because of their age. Oh, they lost their hearing. Yeah, it's because of their age. They're hitting their 80s. But in Ayurveda, that's not at all. That's completely separate. That disease is completely separate to aging. Aging and disease is different. In Ayurveda, the lifespan of a human is 120 years old. Mm. So we should live to that with full cognitive function and capacity. A lot of us listening and, and, and us too, we've, we know people who are living in their 90s, fully independent, fully functional, completely aware cognitively, right? That's what it should be like. Mm. And that's what it should be like in their 90s and even the hundreds. We've even met maybe people, have met people in their hundreds who are living independently. And that's natural. And how come we see so little of that? Because as we're getting, although the population is increasing, or sorry, the lifespan is increasing, the chronic disease is also increasing. So we're living longer, but we're living sicker. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of reasons and and many causes to it, but ultimately they all go under the disconnect from our natural rhythms. Mm. Not only our biological rhythms that are going in every organs on a rhythm, every tissue, every cell, but of course the rhythms of nature and we're disconnected from our nature, we're disconnected from the natural environment. And that's introducing chemicals into our life. That's introducing certain devices and and non-native electromagnetic fields, non-native air, non-native water, all these things. And that's that's causing disease. That that is disease itself. And we're putting that in our body. We're putting it in our atmosphere. We're putting it into our mental state, into our emotional state. Mm. So that's introducing that. It's going to deviate us from our natural state, which is that 100-year-old healthy person and we're getting deviated to a 90 or or seven year old who's got dementia and constipation and can't pick up things because his Mm. fingers in his joints have got rheumatoid arthritis all these things okay so um in quite a few decades time why don't we sit down in this room I'll be 120 and you'll be 100 and <laughs> uh, 17. Wait, how far apart are we in age? Not that far. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, it's funny you say that, right? Because we all inherently do know these things. We do know how to take care of our health. We know what's unnatural, what's natural. Um, 
But it's funny, we as humans, I think we have this narrative of, oh, this, there's this big mystery when it comes to our health. Why is it so hard to be healthy? Why are these things happening? And there's a lot of confusion. But then spending more time with you and also your wonderful teachers, um, really from where you all stand, the answer is quite simple. So, um, so what do you think the barrier is to people kind of really practicing what they know or you know I would agree we would probably agree that most people would kind of know what they need to do what what's stopping them actually doing it or do we just not know? I don't think everyone knows or we or it finds us at the right time when we need to know everything's at the right time but you have the potential to stretch time, to shift time. You don't have to wait. We don't like waiting. You don't want to be a waiter and wait around for just to come and magically help everything. You want to be proactive and take mm-hmm. action. And this is what I want to emphasize in case you, you know, the statistics that I mentioned, it's very, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But this is, I say that in order to give awareness of the, greater perspective of the population and of life and if you're listening to this podcast episode you're into natural health to whatever extent maybe you're fully into it maybe you're just beginning to learn into it but the fact that you've tuned in you have the potential to be part of those statistics that are the health the healthy part of the statistic not the statistic that's okay this is the group that got the dementia this is the group that got the irritable bowel syndrome like it's and which is maybe even moving towards a minority so mm. who are the ones that, like, that's why you said not everyone knows, Cassie, because most <laughs> of the world is ignorant, most of the population, and we need to claim our knowledge and step into it and enjoy it, not just as a strain or as a foreign part of knowledge. Dylan said this on a podcast. I kind of know I should do it, but I, it just doesn't resonate. Like, I'm just not getting it. You need to find your way with whatever guidance you need, whether it's through podcasts, whether it's through a personal physician, and introduce that in a way that you resonate, that you enjoy, that you embody. Then you step into that health, and then you radiate that for others in the community. That's the way that mm-hmm. these statistics are going to shift, and they definitely have that potential to shift. So for those who know it, why are they not doing it? Maybe because they're afraid to change Everyone's mm. in the ever-repeating known. Oh, but I love my coffee. I love my evening oh, wine. I still love my coffee. <laughs> I love, you know, my chocolate and my ice cream. Oh, I'm buying ice cream. I know it's bad, but I just need that <laughs> dopamine. I just need that hit. I need that energy. I need that calming. I need that sugar hit to just drop me, to give me that grounding because my nervous system is unstable. I know it. But so having good guidance on how to make that easier whether it's shifting the metabolism so that craving's not as strong, whatever it is, and but stepping into it, stepping into that. And yes, it's discipline at first. But if you have the good intention, that discipline can be not so hard. And when you have a supportive environment, also, of course, that can help. But even if you are someone with marriage, in a marriage, and the other partner is fully not into us. Yes. And whatever it is, you need to be true to yourself. And I think if people start honoring themselves, mm. it's like people who are eating in a rush or just f- putting something in without even thinking mindfully, like they are feeding the higher self in them. They are feeding the divine. So I think when people begin to recognize that and experience, I am divine, I have potential to inspire and uplift others, everyone, I guarantee you, is divine. They have Mm. divinity. They have celestial qualities of them. And when you recognize that, the vessel will be treated differently and it will be not so pulled by a dark energy, opposite to divine. You can call like that negative energy or demon-like energy because that's essentially the energy which is saying, okay, yes, I'm just going to smoke the cigarette or have the ice cream and whatever it is. <laughs> what if I still have ice cream? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, that I, I really, of course, really resonate with that. It's um, 
and I'm recalling some of my own experiences here because I used to uh, eat kitchri and just be like, this is so bland. I don't know how I'm going to eat this. So kitchri is an Ayurvedic essential dish. It's like <laughs> yeah. one of the easiest dishes to reset digestion and metabolism and very wholesome. So good for you. Yeah. So good for you. And um, then even just before I went to Panchakarma, I remember being Which like, is the Ayurvedic detox and rejuvenation <laughs> program. <I'm> translating. <laughs> Thanks for explaining. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, w- I went to, to fill in the blanks. So I went to Panchakarma earlier in the year with the, the beautiful, beautiful Raju family who are Dylan's teachers. Um, wonderful, just doing so much to heal humanity. Um, I went and had this profound experience and we had very, very clean food. Mm. You know, it was, it was beautiful vegetarian Ayurvedic food. So much love in that food. I came back and have had Kitchri <laughs> pretty much every day since that. But before that, I mm. honestly was like, this is yeah, so boring. This is so bland. So yeah, my taste buds needed to just adjust mm. or I went through a very, very profound healing and detoxification. Yeah, that that craving, well, not that craving, but that mistake of intellect of what it wants shifted because you were maybe shifting some carbs or whatever it was, some different foods that gave a, a, a dopamine hit, an unsustainable, altered state of satisfaction. Mm. And that's kind of what your brain got used to and in the groove. And once it was comfortable, once your metabolism, your energy was good, you can have the quote-unquote less bland things. doesn't mean it's more bland, mm. but you can at least able to have that. It's so common after Panchakarma, people don't want greasy foods and pizzas and ice creams and sugar because they just, it's when the body becomes refined, it realizes the toxins and it doesn't even, it's not like you eat it and it's like, oh, I don't like it, but it doesn't even get to the point of thinking about them. Hmm. It's not like I, I, I've definitely noticed less craving behavior. I still, you know, I'm not going to lie, still then I'll indulge in, I love my coffee, you know. Mm. I have had a pizza since Panchakarma, you know, and I love chocolate and things like that, but I don't crave them. Like but especially to, after, yeah. like I remember my, my first, I love also love pizza, yeah. but after <laughs> I just didn't, I and I and I always thought like, okay, I'm going to go to India, I'm going to like, when I, I can't wait to get back and go to my favorite Italian restaurant. What? But Loves <laughs> Yes. You know the restaurant. But... <laughs> It never happened. And I was like, okay, it's interesting. Like I, this was, I think, yeah. my recent Panchakarma. I was interested. I'm like, wow, I'm actually not want to go. And I think it's it's really enjoying that more wholesome, nutritious, lighter food. And mm. it's like, you're doing the, that's doing the job. It's doing a wonderful job at satiating my taste, at satiating my body, at giving me good energy. Um, I'm not even having thoughts to go to the pizza because... That's just, it's very different the way that impacts the body with the carbs and the cheese. It's heavy. and So it's not an intellectual process. It just happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think there is potentially so much we could talk about. Yeah. I know it. So we could talk about digestion, sleep. There, there's an mm. infinite amount of hours. Um, and we're going to definitely dive into that in so many podcasts. Today is very much an intro to us. This mm. is our first podcast we've recorded broad sweeping strokes about Ayurveda. For those listening to this that are new to Ayurveda or they've been practicing a while and really want to learn more and take their knowledge deeper, what are some resources or ways they can get started, whether that's books, podcasts? Yeah, so definitely throughout this podcast show, and there'll be however many episodes there are since you're tuning into the first one, check them out. Um, There's also, I've got another uh, podcast show called Vital Veda Podcast. And the 111 website, 111health.com, mm-hmm. has a lot of resources, videos, uh, and articles, a lot on the fundamentals of Ayurveda. And then when you want to go deeper, uh, stay tuned because there will be a lot of other things. And I think practicing it yourself is really key. Maybe doing mm-hmm. a consultation with a practitioner that's trustworthy and, and good quality. And but definitely starting with the daily routine, which we talk about on 111health.com and the diet principles and begin experimenting. And then when you kind of feel like you're getting in a good groove, consultation and refine, get some more sophisticated herbal regime, um, those type of things. So, yeah, 
Yeah, that's and plenty I, of good starting points. And if you if you if you've heard that and said like I'm I I think I'm above all those. I've kind of tried all that stuff, and you want something more refined, then email us at One Eleven Health, and and I'll point you in the right direction. Give me a better description of what you've done in the past, and I can give you a more advanced um, resource. Great. Yeah. And that's, and it's such a good point. I think you made earlier in the podcast, which is let's not, you know, you don't throw the book at your students or clients. So I know for myself, when I first got started with this, I just was crazy. I just wanted everything. I wanted Mm. to learn everything overnight. But the thing is what I learned is that, and also one of your teachers said this to me, that this is a lifelong thing. You know, there's no need to rush slow and steady, start sustainably, even just the fact that you're setting the intention to learn more just starts Mm. to do wonders for your life. So um, thank you so much, Dylan. It's been fun. And next time um, we'll talk about some very juicy topics. So stay tuned. Great. Look forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the 111 Health Podcast. If you loved today's episode as much as we did, feel free to share the love by subscribing and sharing it with anyone you think would benefit from listening. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok where we announce the release of each new episode. Have a blissful day and see you next time.